Father, we just thank you for your word, that your word is never-ending, it lasts forever. Lord, your word is truth, gives life to us as we listen to it and we, we just learn from you. I just want to thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to look at today, start about three weeks looking at the kind of groups that we can be part of, which you'll know as either connect groups, small groups, home groups, all that sort of stuff. And why we need to consider that as being part of our life, okay? So what I'm going to do is just read quickly from Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And this is a, a description of the church as, as it first started out and started to gain momentum, what happened. Okay, because I'm just going to go through some different spaces that we live in. So this is going to be a bit of a sort of teaching, not so much preaching sort of thing. But what I'd like to do over the next three weeks is invite you guys to just think about, is this something I could maybe host? A home group, a connect group in my home. And I just want to really go through the importance of of what these are for and the purposes that that we have for them. So next week, Steve West will be talking about the purposes, the five purposes of, of what we want to get out of these groups because we can gather together and we can just have fun together, which is great. We can gather together just for that sort of fellowship, but also we need to be able to have people that we can grow with, that we can trust, that that we can share our heart with. And as we were talking last week, when we looked at the book of Nehemiah, there are those times when you just need a group of people that are close enough to you that, that you're able to expose some of those weak areas of your life to them and get them to pray for you. Okay, so... This is all about, do I have to do it? Of course you don't have to do it. You do not have to do anything. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed you and cleansed you from all sin. You can believe in his name and and you get to heaven. But how much of the kingdom of God do you want in your life? How much of his presence, how much of his power do you want made available to you when it's all there ready and available? So it's more about accessing it. What can I do to actually grow in my faith. What is it that I can do that will help me become a stronger Christian so that you be like that guy that Jesus talked about that built his house upon the rock? And the storm came and the winds blew, but the house stood firm. So when things or trials or, or whatever happens in your life come, that there's a strength that you have. You see, it's, it's good to believe in Jesus. But the Bible does say that even the devil believes in Jesus. So, good on you. That's great. That's a good start. And I mean that sincerely. Good on you. It's great. Jesus is real. Jesus is the Messiah and he is the one who came to save us. And it's really good that you believe in him. But Jesus says, hey, that's great. But guess what? The devils even believe in Jesus. And they also obey him. Now, if you're thinking about that, doesn't it mean that there's something more that we need to have in our life? And Jesus calls us to what we call discipleship, being disciplined followers of him. Now, the problem is that a lot of people think that that's just all about the do's and don'ts, right? It's like, I must do this, I must not do that. And, and suddenly, your Christian walk just becomes about the do's and don'ts. But we know that discipleship involves relationship. Think about Jesus. What did he do? Well, he came down to earth, absolutely, and, and lived amongst men. But how did he live? It blows my mind when I start to think about Jesus. He grew in favor with God and with man. 
In other words, if Jesus grew in favour with God, doesn't it sort of make sense that maybe we can grow in favour with God? This is his own son, yet it says he grew up and he grew in favour with God. What was it about his life that actually increased the favour on his life? And not only with God, but with man. And I was starting to think about that. Well, wasn't Jesus a carpenter? Had he grown favour with men? Tradesmen that are here? Jesus was a tradesman. Maybe he was honest in his dealings. Maybe they understood that when he quoted a job, that he did it for the price he quoted it for. If he misquoted a job, that he would accept that. Maybe he didn't rip people off. Maybe he worked hard. Doesn't that sort of bit of a... A funny perspective. Maybe the, those that taught him, he respected them, listened to them and obeyed them. And so his teachers would go, Jesus is such a good kid. You know? Um, you know how the teachers go, if, if you sit up straight, you can go home early. Maybe he was the one sitting the straightest. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a whole lot of life of Jesus that he lived before he started his ministry. But that was in preparation for the work that God had for him. His father had for him. All part of the plan. But doesn't it make you think differently? Jesus grew in favour with men. Well, how do you grow in favour with men? Are you friendly? You're nice? You're kind? You're considerate? You, you live a godly life? Just the start. So he did that. But when he started his ministry, there was a whole lot of different levels to how he ministered. Okay, I'm just going to bring this whiteboard over and I'm just going to write, I should read Acts first, okay, and then I'll write these down. Have a listen to this, the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, this is in Acts chapter 2, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now I would love to think that we could be a church like that and I don't see why we can't be. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us but also starting to bring this devotion to one another which is very important. You see, the Bible says that where there's unity, God commands his blessing. This is not just a tacit, you know, the blessing might flow through. God sees unity, you know, and what's unity come from? Fellowship. What's it come from? Sharing lives, sharing direction and vision. Where there is unity, he commands blessing. It's like you can't stop it. And when you start to read through that, the last verse says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Why? Because these people somehow came together in such a powerful way that people wanted to be part of it for a start, but they could see that God was moving amongst them. They had different ways of getting together and loving one another. And as you read through that, you'll see different things. So you'll see they were all together in one place. Hello? This is sort of like that, isn't it? But then it says they also met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So there's a spiritual aspect to it, to remembering what Christ has done and shared meals. Okay, so there's different levels of fellowship that we have. And even this gathering here, if we, if we had a, a gathering of all the churches in Darwin, 
There would be a whole lot of Christians coming together in one place, which would be awesome. And you see that sometimes. You need to fellowship with people from other congregations and, and grow with them as well. But there's a definite call here to say, hey, listen, you can't just do one of these things. You can't just go to church and you can't just meet in homes, although you probably could in some cases. But you know how it is sometimes people get this thing like, no, it's all about home church. You know, really meeting as you do in a big congregation, that's not biblical. Hello, look at that. They all met together in one place and they met in homes. They worshipped together at the temple each day and they met in each other's homes. There's a definite call for us to understand that to grow in Christ means that we need to live fully the experience that he has for us. So let's have a look at the different spaces and let's talk about how Jesus did it. And then just want to put out that challenge to us. How are you working in those spaces? All right. So we're going to look at four different spaces, okay? Now this isn't just biblical stuff, this is also sociological stuff, okay? So I'm going to leave out one of the groups that we're going to actually look at later. Hopefully you can all see and read what I write. <laughs> okay, so we got, is that dark enough? Public space. What's that space look like? Well, this is really where we are now. Maybe not quite, actually. It's probably not quite big enough here to be a public space. But this is a place like the football where you can just go along, you're anonymous, you're lost in a crowd, but you can take part in the experience that's happening. So you all join in together and there seems to be some sort of, I don't know, excitement builds through that. And that's an important part of life. So that's one. Number two... We're not going to look at. Number three is personal space. What's personal space? Well, what they say is the personal space is basically about eight to 12 people at the most. But what it is is a place where you can share life together without it being too overwhelming. So obviously in a public space... You're not going to be able to share your life and all your, you know, family stuff with everyone. Like, how would it be you go to the MCG, a bit, bit like Mick Dundee, I suppose, in, when he's in New York and it's hello, hello, hello. It's just not going to happen. This space here, that's looking at maybe 12 to 60 people. As I said, we'll talk about that later on in the year. Personal space. This is a space that gives you a chance to grow. Okay, so think about this. When you gather together with that amount of people, can you have an opinion? Can you talk? Can you share things in your life? Can you say, hey, can you guys pray for me? Of course you can. This is a space we want to look at because it's really important for us to understand that for our growth, this is a good space. Okay, that I was talking to Kylie this week. Um, I should call her out. Is she here? Come on, Kylie. Come on out. <laughs> now, 
the reason I call her out is because we're talking about this. Kylie is um, heading up the small groups. She's going to be the coordinator this year, and we're really going to try and build them this year into what we see them being, you know what I mean? Let's get a pathway going. Let's get some people that are willing to host. And if they want to continue with it, let's train them up. Let's give them some, some skills. Okay. Kylie knows that I shouldn't have called her out, <laughs> but I did. But I just wanted her to talk about her experience with small groups. Because this is a person who's been a Christian for pretty much her whole life, would that be right? Been a church and all that sort of stuff. And yet, a dramatic change happened when she started with a small group. And I love you to hear her testimony about this because there's one point that she said to me that I thought was just very significant in regard to how good at it she thought she might be. Hi. So small groups, yes, we, I grew up going to church Sundays. That was it. My family doesn't so much live it outside of church. Some of them do, some of them don't. But we, when we were doing the What on Earth Am I Here For, our first, Lyle and I's first experience with a small group was to host one. We just, I think God wants us to do it, or we'll just do it. And, you know, we had no experience. We'd never even been to one before. But we just did it what we thought God was asking us to do, and it was really amazing. Sure, we probably made a couple of mistakes. Well, sure, we could have probably done a few things better, but we really saw some great blessings come out of it. It was just amazing because people that we had known too that had been the same situation as us Christians all the time but they really started to want to learn and grow and we got together and we, we saw people flourish and want to follow Jesus and want to change their lives and want to do more and you know, it, was, it was pretty amazing That's right, so you see Kylie here <laughs> hadn't done a small group and okay, so what were the significant differences that you felt being in a small group gave to your Christian walk? The, the chance to discuss when you when you're here and you're and you're listening to whoever's speaking, it's good. It sinks in, but it just keeps going. The, the conversation just it just keeps going. But when you and you and you sink it in, but there's always a little bit more that you could get. And, and when we're in a small group, you can you can sometimes someone can ask a question and you don't even know the answer, but you start talking about it and the answer comes out and you didn't even know you had it. But because you're discussing it. It comes to your mind. And then other people will, will pick up something that you never even thought of. And, and you can really get in-depth about something. Instead of just sort of glossing over the top, you can slow down. And the more that you learn, the more that you want to learn, it's kind of like in a, a cycle. You just want to get more out of it. And then once it's in you, you want to put it out there. Your life becomes, I don't want to just be the Christian at church. I want to affect other people. I want to share this. It wants to, it wants to flow out of you. Thanks, Kylie. <laughs> Unless you got some more to add. <laughs> Thanks, Kylie. Yeah, look, I've got to be honest, like, it's one of my passions. Now, people can look and think, you know, well, that's because you're a pastor, but you know what? I've only been a pastor six years. But I've been a Christian all my life. And I have been. But all my life, I've always been part of a small group. And I've been so blessed with people in my churches that, that have just loved me. You know, even when I was a teenager, there's uh, a couple that 
that would always host us in a Bible study after school or something. And it's just so impacting on your life because there's things you talk about there that bring change. Have a think about an average teenager. How often do you really think about God? And in terms of your study, your devotion to him, how often is it that you think, okay, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to think about the things of God and, and discuss them with myself and with God? It does happen sometimes, but you know what? When you're in a group, it suddenly opens up all these questions you got. And a lot of young people, you have questions to ask. It's really important that you, you somehow work out, how can I be in a group of Christians that, that can help me grow? As I said before, it's not, uh, what would you say, a requirement. It's certainly not a requirement of this church. We can't make anybody do anything. Everybody has their free will to do what they want. But how do you want to grow? Do you want to grow slow? Do you want to grow not at all? Do you want to grow more quickly? What is it that you want to do? This is where the personal space area is very important. And I think that as we think about that, we've got to understand that it is only part of the whole picture that we have. Okay, and the last one here, just so you know what it is, is your private space. And there's pretty, pretty much nothing that a church can do about that. So we, we might be able to, as a church, us, you get this, right? Because you know what? Um, it's really not up to me. I'm not the church. I'm just a person that happens to be privileged enough to be given a responsibility to lead here. Uh, thank you, God. You know, that's what he's asked me to do. But if he didn't, like I said, all my life, I've done something. It's been like God's always said, help someone. Help someone else grow, and it helps you grow at once. Do you know how quickly you learn when you're teaching? It's just amazing. Because you've got to clarify your thoughts. You've got to think about what you're saying and, and what you know, and you start to talk about it. And, and even if you're teaching other people, it's like you're going over it again. But it's sinking into your spirit in a totally different way. So what happens is as you share what you know, you grow. Hey, that rhymes. That's pretty cool. Got that? Write that down, everyone. Share what you know, and you'll grow. It's so true though, isn't it? The more you share, the more growth comes to your life. And that's why it's so important. Private space is basically a marriage. Um, maybe there's some people with just very, very close friends, but it's usually two people, maybe three at the most. Now, that's not up to the church, the church to fix. And that's not up to the church to come in and, and organise. You know, like, you and you, get married. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. So that private space is your space, okay? And this is where the deepest sharing goes on, but you've got to understand that there, there's different levels. Why is that? Let's have a look at Jesus. And I'll just talk about this. What are the different levels of relationship Jesus had? Okay, so in terms of if we're thinking, well, is this actually really following Jesus? Because that's what it's about, isn't it? Disciples follow Jesus. We want to just look at his life, look at his teaching, how he did life and learn from it. We see that Jesus spoke to the crowds, didn't he? So you'll, you'll have so many passages about the crowd came to him. We, we see examples of that because he fed 5,000 and um, that's a lot of people, right? So there's a crowd learning, there's a crowd place in the life of Jesus where, where people come and they hear and they make up their own mind whether they follow or not. There's no real 
um, interaction really between the people except for they've all come for a cause. Now the second space, now I'm going to have to mention it, aren't I? Okay. That's sort of more like a community space. Okay. So what's that sort of space? I know I was going to mention it later, but bad luck. Should I? No, you can remember it. Okay, community space is something between 20 to 70 people. I want you to think about this because this is important when we start looking at our out relationship a little bit further down the road. Think of yourself. You're at a barbecue and you get to choose who you talk to, don't you? Pretty much. If there's about 20 to 70 people, it's not like you're in the spotlight, but it's a comfortable place. You know, if, if there's someone who's a bit kooky, you can avoid them and you can go and talk to someone else who's more interesting. In other words, this is a place where you get a glimpse of what it would be like to be friends with someone, okay? This is where you can start to form those relationships, that, that comfortable place. Now, why is that important? And why are we going to look at that as a church a little bit later on? Because this allows a place for people to come in, feel like they belong, without feeling like they're in the spotlight. Can you imagine? And look, I, I don't say you can't have new people in small groups. In fact, I'd encourage it. I've done it all my life. People have come. People have got saved in small groups, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not saying it's not a good place. But usually that's built through relationship. You build a relationship with someone, they come in. And they're part of it. They already understand it. They know you. They've, they've had good relationship with you for a lot of time. And they can come in and, and, it, and they can get saved through that way as well, become a Christian as well and join our family, which is pretty cool. But in that space, if you, you imagine... How uncomfortable are you if you go into a, a group of seven or eight people? They all know each other really, really well, but you don't know them. And they say, come on, guys, let's pray around the table, especially if it's someone who's not a Christian. Okay, let's hold hands and pray. <laughs> you know, I feel uncomfortable enough myself, you know, because we don't hold hands at Grace and you go to someone's house and they do, happy to do it, but it's just not what we do and you feel sort of like, okay, let's do that. Think about it in terms of those friends of yours that need to know Jesus, okay? What is it that I'm doing in my life that actually makes them feel uncomfortable? Because we know the product is fantastic, Jesus. I know that sounds very, um, what do you call it, corporate, the product. But I want you to think of it this way. If, if you go to a restaurant, the food is fantastic, but the staff is horrible and it's a bad atmosphere. You might go there, but are you going to bring your friend? The process to actually get them to eat that meal that they have to go through is very awkward and uncomfortable. We've got to think about that in all these spaces. Okay, So Jesus had the public space. He had this other space, which is like the 70 that he sent out. A community he said, right, you guys, you go out and I want you to, to go out and minister to people and, and do all that sort of stuff. Did he have his personal space? Has anyone ever heard of the 12 disciples? Or the, yes? Okay. That is that sort of space where he's sharing a bit more. You know, there was a time when he was talking about a parable and he goes, he talked a parable and then it says that, but he didn't tell the people what it meant, but he told his disciples. Later he took his disciples aside and he said, this is what this parable means. There's a learning and growing. Can you see that? And this is what that size group, the small group is about where you're getting together and you're starting to talk about, well, what's the meaning behind this? How does this affect my life? How do I make changes? Like, because we all need to, don't we? 
The discipleship process is so good when you actually enter into it because what it does, it doesn't make you stay the same. It makes you change naturally because you get accountability in a group which you don't get by yourself. And I don't mean that they're ringing you up every day, you better do it, you better do it, you better do it, what you've said. Because sometimes God tells us to do something, we share it with those that we love, this, this group, and say, look, I really feel God's been telling me this. But if I share it in that big group, who am I accountable to? It doesn't mean they're going to make me do it, but who is it that, that I made myself accountable to say, can you just ask me in a week's time how I'm doing with that? Have you made a plan? Are you following through with it? Because we all know that without, uh, I think it was, um, I don't know who it was said it, but you know, we, we don't do, people don't do what you expect, they do what you inspect. Now we're not talking about that in that sort of scenario, as someone's coming to inspect what you've done. But what it's really saying is, are you accountable? As a Christian, have you made yourself accountable to anybody? Because the Bible says we're to submit to one another in love. We're to learn from and grow with one another. Okay, did Jesus have private space? I don't know if you, you ever read it where it says that there was a disciple that Jesus loved. Well, didn't he love them all? I presume so. <laughs> but in John it says the one that Jesus loved. And people, we presume it's John because it talks about him at the Last Supper lying on Jesus, you know, leaning on him. and you know, They're pretty close. It doesn't have to be man-woman marriage. You can just have a really, really close friend that you trust so deeply with intimate things of your life. And usually it is your husband or wife, okay? So that's normally what it should be. You trust them with such deep things that you can talk about those things that are really hurting. And I want to throw that out there because I, I think that if we don't actually understand those spaces, then we're missing out in some area of our life, some area of our Christian walk. If we don't meet together with people like this, we're missing out on something, especially if the people that gather together are really gathering in his name. And, and as we read through that Acts thing, it says, you know, they prayed and they worshipped and, and they gave everything to it. You know, when Jesus talked about um, worship, I don't know if you remember that he saw a Samaritan woman once, just checking the time. <laughs> and they started to talk about, well, where do you guys worship? Who worships where? And Jesus said, well, doesn't matter. I'm looking for those that would worship me in spirit and in truth. This is sometimes where we've we got to grab hold of the truths that Jesus speaks and just live them. What's that really mean? Because we will quite often say, well, you know, what was the worship like? It was great, you know, it was great music. It was, you know, whatever, a fantastic light show. For me, the smoke machine was flowing. It made it look angelic. <laughs> but Jesus said this, it doesn't matter. I'm looking for those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. What's that mean? God's actually not really interested in your worship. He's not interested in worship. Neil, that's a bit crazy. What do you mean? God's not interested in worship. Think about this. God has angels before his throne. God has hosts in heaven, and they probably sing a whole lot better than us. 
that are just singing with such a loud voice saying, worthy, worthy are you. There's praise going up to him all the time. What's Jesus saying? I'm not so much interested in worship, but I'm interested in worshippers. Can you see the difference? See, we can come to worship, but we can come as worshippers. What's the difference? If I come and worship, I can worship with my lips. And this is one of the things that Jesus said to the religious leaders. You come and and you're worshipping with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Can you see the difference? I can sing a beautiful song. In fact, have you ever heard a choir sing Amazing Grace or you listen to the Christmas carols at at Christmas, the Maya Christmas Bowl or whatever it is, and they've got some guy or girl up there totally doesn't love God or hasn't given their life to him, but they're singing a song to God of praise and it sounds so beautiful. Then you hear someone with a croaky old voice singing the same song, his heart is given to God and is worshipping fully and deeply from the heart. That is what God's looking for. See the difference? Okay. So what we're looking at is, as we start to take part in these things, really, it's like, why? Why do we do this? If we go to a small group just because that's what the church says, then we're stupid, although we might grow. Because we're just doing it out of a form. If we go there because if I don't, people are going to ridicule me or I'll feel guilty, then that's not the right spirit. And I love that this church becomes a church that does things from the heart, that they don't do worship, they worship. They don't sing songs, they are the song. That their life begins to reflect the one who created them, that, that everything they say, everything they do becomes part of their worship to God. You see, worship happens in work, worship happens in, in our house, worship happens at school, worship happens in how we live our life for him. Any person can sing a song, but you show me a a lady, a man, a kid who truly loves God, they're going to go places. They're going to have the peace in their life. They're going to have the joy in their life. They're going to understand the love of God. They're going to overcome self-doubt. They're going to go and overcome worthlessness because inside of them is this thing, and it's called the Holy Spirit working because they're opening themselves up to the power of God actually working in their life. And that, my friends, is transformation. When it is God beginning to hook into your life, change it and turn it around because your heart is so captivated and engrossed in his love for you. Because that understanding of love will lead you to places that you would only dream of because you understand that because God loves you, You can do all things through Christ. His love empowers you. His love lifts you up. His love saves you. His love helps you to love others. There is no better thing in life than surrendering to Christ. There's nothing better. And I don't mean saying a prayer, Jesus, come in. That's the first step. But what are you doing? to grow your Christian life? What are you doing to get to that place of unity, of of power that was in that early church? Who added to the church? God added them to the church. 
God is saying is, guys, let's form this amazing, powerful, spirit-filled body of believers that can take this message to the world, that I can work through. He's got an assignment for us. And I know, I know that he's going to just start revealing it piece by piece. He's got an assignment. And what he's asking is, are you ready to put your hand up?